our preferences. We might see it as a mistake or a waste or, or something else. But God intends to supply us with something more, something better, far greater, a kingdom blessing in our coat pocket. God always puts something in the pocket of our coat. And we need to change our focus and forget about whether it fits or not and instead focus on what God is supplying. So today we are entering into part two of our message. We've called this message Gratitude Greater Than Greed uh, from Philippians chapter four. Last week we focused on a life of satisfaction. And we talked about how resting in satisfaction or contentment helps us to find gratitude in this world that is full of greed. Today, we want to focus on a life of supply, a life of supply as we explore the idea that true gratitude only comes when our satisfaction, our contentment in this world is connected to God as our supplier. So we're going to explore this idea of a life of supply by looking at the next section of this text in Philippians 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 14 where we left off last week. And today we're reading from the New Living Translation. The words are on the screen. I'm going to invite you to read these words with me, this portion of scripture beginning in verse 14. Let's read together. You have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than one time. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever Amen. Amen. The word of God. Well, have you ever sent somebody a thank you note? Now, that's really what this is. Maybe you've received a gift from somebody or they did something nice for you. And so you sent them a little note saying, hey, thanks. That's what we have here. This is Paul's thank you note from the Apostle Paul to his friends at the Philippian church. Now, Remember last week we learned that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. He doesn't know when or if he will be released. He is chained to a Roman guard. Times are hard. And yet, we could say his coat pockets are full. God has supplied Paul in his time of need. And Paul expresses his gratitude and his thanks for the gifts that the Philippian church has sent to him numerous times, this time via a messenger by the name of Epaphroditus. And yet, Paul is quick to point out that he's far more interested in what their giving does for them, 
for than what it does for him. And, and I wonder if Paul was remembering back to uh, the words of the Lord Jesus that, that he taught, he, he shared this with the, the Ephesian church when he was leaving there. Uh, it's recorded in Acts 20. And he says, as the Lord said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Paul believed that and he taught that over and over again. And we see that in the words of verse 17 of our text when Paul says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And in this, in this little verse here, in verse 17, Paul uses a, a very specific financial term. The word translated in English as reward uh, was a common word in that day for profit. Profit. And so what Paul is, in, in essence, is saying is, I don't need another gift from you guys. I, I really only want you to have more interest, more profit, more reward. That is, as you supply me in my time of need, there is a blessing that you receive, which is continually building up for your own enjoyment, your own blessing. Paul remains grateful because God has met his needs through his brothers and sisters in Christ. And by the way, this I think is a good moment. I want to take a little break here. And I want to say thank you to you, Garden Way Church. Thank you to this church family for the way that you faithfully supply the needs for others. For instance, I mentioned earlier Project Hope. Today, many of us are going to be over uh, in North Eugene at, the, at Howard Elementary School distributing backpacks full of school supplies and new shoes and food and haircuts for kids. And in the last weeks, I just briefly mentioned it one Sunday, and over the last couple of weeks, uh, you've provided more than $1,500 for kids to receive school supplies. Our benevolence ministry then put in another $500 into that pot, and that's money that comes from you as well. And so together, we have been able to provide backpacks and supplies for more than 80 kids this afternoon. Isn't that great? Thank you for doing that. Many of you, that's awesome, yeah. Many of you will be over there serving. Some of you have served already in this project. I'm so thankful for that. Do you know that uh, twice a month on, on a Thursday afternoon, there's a group from our church that goes and provides a meal for more than 40, 40 people over at Everyone Village, that transitional housing project for folks working their way out of homelessness. That's just something that our church regularly does. Many of you provide food for that. Some of you go and serve that food. Uh, you are providing practical needs. Or how about, did you know that every Thursday morning, there's a group of six or eight people that gather here at Garden Way Church from our church, and they make sandwiches, hundreds of sandwiches, all over in the kitchen. They got bread laid out, peanut butter sandwiches, meat sandwiches. They wrap them all up, and then those are taken, and another group takes them and distributes them around town to folks that are in need on the streets. Those are ways in which we are supplying the needs of others. Did you know that every time that you give a dollar to Garden Way Church, that 13.5% of that dollar goes to support our missions ministry? 
which is represented by uh, those flags behind you on the wall there, those various countries, uh, seven, I think, uh, seven different countries, as well as some other missions lo locally and, and regionally that we support. And so that's another way that we are supplying the needs of people even in far-off lands. I also mentioned that earlier that every time that you give a dollar, 4% of that goes into our benevolence ministry. And those funds are used to support uh, regular local outreach and, and benevolence ministries like Project Hope, like Love for Lane County, like the Eugene Mission and others, as well as providing emergency support for folks right here in our congregation when they have a need. And so those are things that you are doing to supply the needs of others. So thank you, Garden Way Church, for the way that you are serving faithfully in that way. And as the Apostle Paul said to the Philippian church, I pray for you. May you receive a reward, a profit for your kindness. True gratitude in this world of greed comes when our satisfaction is connected to God as our uh, supplier. And so in his time of difficulty and need, Paul was able to remain satisfied, content, because he was supplied. And we too can remain fully supplied when we realize three things. I want to just briefly go through these with you. Number one, we can be supplied when we recognize the source of our supply, the source of our supply. In verse 19 of our text, it, says, it doesn't say God will supply. It says, God who takes care of me will supply. Isn't that interesting? A God known by Paul through personal experience. God who takes care of me will supply the needs. This is not some vague, remote, higher power, you know, running the earth from afar, giving to the just and the unjust alike, but it is to Paul a personal father. God is a personal father. This is a family matter as he speaks to the Philippian church. This is a promise for the children of God who belong to him. Paul says that the same God who takes care of him will supply the needs of the Philippian church and the Garden Way church and other churches as we trust in him and he'll supply that need from his glorious riches you know we stress so much so much in our culture about making ends meet right paying the bills saving for the future riding out the rough times putting away for a rainy day on and on the euphemisms could go but what do all those terms have in common you know what they all have in common they all have me at the center. Things that I do to take care of me. But friends, to be truly supplied, I can't rely solely on myself. I must trust and believe and be confident in the truth that God is the true source of my supply. You know, not too long ago, I was at a track meet with my family. My grandson was, was uh, on the track team, and so we were going to a lot of track meets. And at one point, uh, his, his sister, my, my seven-year-old granddaughter, uh, said to me, Grampy, uh, can, I, can I go to the concession stand and get some candy? What that meant was, will you give me some money to go get some candy, right? 
And of course, being a good grandpa, what would I say? Of course. So I gave her $5 and I said, go buy some candy and buy me a bottle of water. Okay, well, she came back and she had a great big bag of Skittles. And she opened them and she was eating them. And then I said, hey, hey, sweetie, can I, can I have some Skittles? And you know what she said? No. <laughs> no. I said, come on, just give me a couple. And she said, these are mine. You only wanted water. Well, my little granddaughter didn't understand a few things. Number one, she didn't understand the fact that I was the one that bought the Skittles for her, right? And then number two, she didn't realize I'm bigger and stronger than she is. And I could take those Skittles away if I wanted to, and I could eat every one of them. If I wanted, I could have done that. And number three, she didn't realize that I could have gone down to the concession stand myself and pulled out my credit card and bought 300 bags of Skittles if I wanted. And I could have come back and given her all so many Skittles that she wouldn't know what to do with them. By the way, she, she did share some Skittles with me finally. <laughs> but here, here's the deal, folks. We all have Skittles. Some of us have a generous-sized pile of Skittles. Others have a medium-sized pile of Skittles. Some of, them just, some of us just have a, maybe just a little bag of Skittles. But our loving God comes along, and he says, would you bring me some Skittles? Just a few? And so often, you know what our reaction is? No. These are my Skittles. I own these Skittles. And God says, no, come on, Rob, just, just bring me some Skittles. But then we say, uh-uh, uh-uh, these are my Skittles. And like my granddaughter, maybe we don't understand a few things. God is the one who gave them to us. They're his Skittles. He is the great Skittle supplier, right? <laughs> he bought them. And in an instant, in an instant, God could take away all of our Skittles, and also, we don't understand that God could rain down so many Skittles in our lives that we wouldn't possibly know what to do with them all. We couldn't possibly enjoy them all. Friends, we must understand that to find true and real contentment in this world that's so full of greed, to live in that position of gratitude that then flows into generosity, we must first of all understand the source of our supply. And it is our Heavenly Father. Well, next then, we'll be fully supplied when we understand the limits of our supply. The limits of our supply. Well, again, back to verse 19. Notice it says in verse 19, he will meet all your needs. Now, I suppose it's been pointed out many times and quite properly that it doesn't say all your wants, right? Our wants are sometimes far beyond our needs, aren't they? I read a study uh, that said that at the beginning of the 20th century, way back in the early 1900s, that the average American wanted 72 things, 18 of which he regarded as necessary. By fast-forwarding up to the mid-century mark, so around the, the 1950s, the list of American wants had grown from 72 things to 496 things. 
96 of those were regarded as absolute necessities. And then by the start of our 21st century, us modern folks, you see where this is going, right? The study said that the list of wants had grown to well over 1,000 and that the list of vital needs was now at 212. Wow. Friends, I think that shows us something of the pressure that we are under to have our wants regarded as needs. But you know what? God knows us. And he knows our actual need. He knows our actual needs maybe to learn how few things we really do need and to trust him that he will supply those needs. And guess what? He promises to supply all of them. And folks, that's not just physical needs, but in every realm of our lives, our need for companionship. We begin to look everywhere for companionship. Do we trust in God that he can provide that for us? Our need for purity, our need to, to uh, be challenged, our, our need to, to have something to accomplish, some work to do. God can help us in all of these areas. He can supply those needs. Or even that nameless something, that longing that we feel, but we can never even fully express or explain in words. God, he can supply that need too. And he will in Christ. But only as we rest in him. As we walk the path that he has laid out for us. And so, friends, true gratitude in this world that is pre so this, this world of prevalent and overwhelming greed and selfishness, true gratitude comes when our satisfaction is connected to God as our supplier. He is the source of our supply. He, is, uh, he helps us to understand the limits of our supply. And then finally, we will only truly be supplied fully when we understand the method, the method of supply. Look at the method. Again in verse 19. It's according to his riches or from his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's the method that God's going to supply us. Through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, in scripture, if you do a little study here, you'd find out that there are basically three kinds of riches that are mentioned in the word of God. There are the riches of his goodness. Okay, God is a good God. And he makes the riches of his goodness available to everyone, all people everywhere. The Lord makes the sun shine on the just and the unjust alike. The riches of the goodness that are expressed in nature in this world. Those kinds of things. Those are available to everyone. Good, bad, or indifferent. God gives it all to us, no matter our spiritual condition. Those are the riches of his goodness. But then there are the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace, which are available only to those people who would admit their need. Who would realize that they are poor in spirit, that they have nothing in themselves. And they submit to God in repentance and obedience. 
And this, friends, is when God's amazing grace takes over and forgives and cleanses and gives us purity and all that we need spiritually and eternally. Those are the riches of his grace that belong to those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then there's a third riches, and that's the riches of his glory. The glory of Christ Jesus. And these are available for those who know him intimately, who walk in close relationship with the Lord. All that he has, all that he is in terms of the glory and the fullness of his deity, these things are available to any believer in Jesus Christ. I love that. That means that the weakest believer holds in her hands all that the greatest saint ever had. She has Christ in her life. And in having Christ then, she has everything. No one is shut out from that. It means that when we ask for something, God will give us better than we ask. The riches of his glory, the glory is, is beyond our ability even to fully understand. We can never ask for more than he can give to us. When we come to God with a genuine need and ask his supply, he inevitably does more than we ask or even that we can imagine because our limits are not his limits. Now, back in verse 18, Paul reminds us that giving is a sacrifice to God. Look at verse 18. He says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. See, he's experiencing the glory, isn't he, of Jesus. I have everything I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, friends, one of the most pleasing things that you can do as a follower of Jesus is to give sacrificially. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus was the most sacrificial giver of all? That's because he gave up everything. He gave up heaven itself to come to this world. And then he died on the cross for you and I. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And so when you and I give sacrificially, this is when we are the most Christ-like and it pleases God. You know, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Hebrew people, they would take an offering, an, an animal or a grain of some sort, and they would lay it on the altar and they would burn it up in flames, all right? And then they would pour out wine or liquid and it would create a steam that the whole community could smell. And so in verse 18, this is what Paul is alluding to. A sacrificial giver is a beautiful person. You love to be around people that give sacrificially. They smell good. Paul says that our giving our time, we, we give of our time. 
We give of our talents. We give of our treasures that he has supplied us. And as we do that, it is an act of worship. And it rises up to God. And God says, that smells good to me. I am well pleased. That is so acceptable to me that my son or my daughter is making that sacrifice of their time, of their skills and abilities, of their finances. It smells good to our Father. And that is a form of worship that is just as important as singing and praying and teaching. I want you to notice that Paul says, the gifts you sent me are a sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. He's saying that the gift that he received, you know, they wrote a check and said, Epaphroditus, take this to Paul. And Paul took it up there and he got it. And he's saying that gift is equivalent to giving a gift to God. Isn't that amazing? When the Philippian church sent him some money, God accepted it as a sacrifice. Now, this would be a a good moment for me to take another pause in the midst of our sermon here to say one more time, thank you again. You know, um, when you give to your local church, Garden Way Church, when you give money, when you give your time in volunteering in some way, when you share your skills, your abilities, you teach a class, you take care of kids, whatever it might be that you do. Friends, you are making a sweet-smelling sacrifice to our Heavenly Father. And it smells so good to Him. So thank you. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. You know, we don't talk a whole lot here at Garden Way about financial giving. We don't pass offering plates. In the 27 years that I've been here, we've never passed offering plates on a regular basis. That predates me by a long, long time before that. That's a part of the the heritage of this church. We don't have people getting up here weekly to say, hey, uh, we need you to give some more money. We just don't do that. We have a box there in the back. We're in the 21st century, so you can give online or through a bank or however you want to do that. But friends, that is, that is a time of worship for you, between you and the Lord. And I want you to know that, that when you make a gift of your time or your talent or your treasures, you are making a sacrifice for the Lord. And he is well pleased by that. Now, I also, you know, from time to time, we'll let you know how things are going. And so I'll just let you know today, um, things are a little lean right now. They're not as lean as they could be, but they're not as great as they've been. You know, as we went through the time of COVID, things got a little tight and a little different and a lot of changes have taken place and we've come out of that pretty well. But uh, for instance, this year, we're about 4% behind where we really need to be. Um, That's not a huge amount. We're not going to shut off the lights or turn off the air conditioning. Thank you, Lord, for that, right? God is good because his people are sacrificial. I just want to say thank you to that. He meets our needs. Wow. So, so much of what we do for the Lord can be a sacrifice. Friends, every generous act that we do 
is a sacrifice to God. From kneeling down, as some of you will do later today, to tie a child's shoestrings, to meeting practical needs in some way in our community or right here in our local church, to supporting the work of this local church or our missions on a regular basis. Anytime you have a spirit of generosity, it is an encouragement to others, it is an investment in eternity, and it is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. That's why it's important to be a giver. You see, we can't really claim the promise of supply in verse 19 unless we're participating in the sacrifices of giving that Paul mentions in verse 18. So much of how we experience life is based on perspective or context. You know, some people are thankful if they have a dollar in their pocket. Others are upset when they only have $100, right? Some people, they have a, a glass half full attitude and others have a glass half empty attitude. But you know, for Paul, the glass was always half full and rising. He cultivates that attitude through thankfulness, he trains himself to see good and to thank God for it. He rehearses his blessings, which he does not even believe that he deserves. He doesn't start from a position of entitlement either. Rather, he starts with the idea that he is a broken person who really deserves to be punished. But God has graciously given him life and support, and abundance, and glory. God has forgiven him and allowed him to be a part of his eternal plan. And so with that perspective, that vantage point of right thinking, Paul has found the ability to live with gratitude in a life, in a world that is filled with greed. So what about you? What about me? Have we learned the secret of living in every situation? You see, it begins when we're ready to accept with satisfaction, contentment, whatever God brings as his choice of condition. Whatever it is, I'm okay with that, God. And then it continues with that contentment building when we recognize God's going to take care of my needs. I'll be okay. And then it comes to completion when we move from greed and selfishness that's so ingrained in us from our culture to generosity, a willingness to invest our time and our talents and our treasures in extravagant ways in God's kingdom work. Friends, only when we understand this secret can we truly find gratitude in a world filled with greed. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that you are a God who blesses us with blessings that overflow. Father, thank you that we, when we know you, when Jesus becomes our Lord, when we give up the ways of this world and when we bury our old ways in the watery grave of baptism and are raised to walk in a new way of life. Lord, you pour into us your glory and your goodness in multitudes of ways. Thank you, Father, that we are so privileged to experience that. And Lord, 
We pray that as we, as we balance in this tension-filled world between greed and generosity, Lord, that we would lean in to the generosity that you call us towards, to the extravagance that you call us towards, Lord, the, the goodness that you call us towards that is modeled by our Lord Jesus. Father, bless us this day and this week as we look for ways to serve you, to represent you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in practical ways in this world that you've placed us. May we represent you well, individually and as a body of believers here at Garden Way Church. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.